Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Ephesians, let's go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. And, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses for us today. And it says, But now you belong to Christ. Look at the person next to you, tell them you belong to Christ. Nah, tell them like you mean it. Tell them like you from Brooklyn. Tell them you belong to Christ. But now you belong to Christ, Jesus. At one time, you were far away from God. But now you have been brought close to him. How were you brought close to him? Christ did this for you when he gave us his blood on the cross. Christ brought you close when he gave his blood on the cross. As we fill in the blank this week on part three of Jesus is, my title to our message is this, Jesus is closer than you think. I'm gonna say that again, Jesus is closer than you think. I was debating on titling this message, Jesus is close. But as I began to prepare this message, the Holy Spirit had to remind me that oftentimes it's the way we think that determines how close Jesus actually is in the way we function in our lives. So I want to tell you today that Jesus is closer then you think, you look at the person next to you, tell him he's close, he's close, he's close. Tell him, tell him he's close, he's close, he's closer than you think, he's closer than you think. Help me pray. Heavenly Father, we so grateful, Lord God, that we get to come to church, oh God, and celebrate your name, Lord God. And we get to make a difference, oh God, in other people's lives, oh God. I thank you, Lord God, that as we draw and hear your voice today, Lord God, you are transforming our soul, Lord God. I truly pray, Lord God, that this may not be just information that's being disseminated among your people, but this may be a word that is leading to heart transformation among your children. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you right now, Lord God. Lord, keep me humble, Lord God, now that Scott Stapp is my friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When arms right over under the sunlight hate that you have to play the piano to be singing right lord help him all right can we give the lord a hand clap in this place uh as you guys um may have witnessed last week lisa and i made 10 years we made a decade married i praise god for that 10 10 years married we have made and and um and i, I don't know if you know this about marriage I, I, if you've been married a long time if you've been in a relationship for a long time have you noticed that things begin to rub off on each other like you be like you begin to rub off on each other like you start picking up their habits and they start picking up your habits and you know you start doing things that they do and they start doing things that you do you just begin to rub off on each other like I, i've learned so much from lisa and she's learned so much from me i've picked up so much from Lisa she's picked up so much from me like she's important she's she's really embraced and she's learned some great things because you know I rubbed rubbed off on her you know like she's learned really really good things like being nice and and being kind and being polite and you know good moral values like holding the door for the elderly and being compassionate towards others and know how to make a working budget and having a savings account I mean it has just 
rubbed off. And, I, and I gotta be honest, like, you know, she's rubbed off on me. Like, I've just picked up on stuff. Like, the other day, she was like, she brought me to school. Like, I've learned, Charlie, I've learned so much from Lisa. Ten years in, she is still schooling me. We literally went, to, the other day, we went to the gas station. And when we went to the gas station, I just thought that we were going to the gas station. So we went to the gas station. I pull up. I take the plug. I put it inside the car. I fill it up with gas. Swipe the card. It's filling up with gas. I finish $20 in, put it back, get back in the car. And my wife is like, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, the guys' prices, they're really high. Like, I just, and she's like, no, did you see those guys? And I'm like, what guys? And she's like, those guys right there. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, well, I was watching them. I was like, why were you watching those guys? She's like, I was watching them just in case. I'm like, just in case what? She's like, just in case something popped off. And I was just like, what in the world just happened? Like, I just got gas. She's like, nah, baby, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Like, you don't think like me. Like, I saw those guys and I was already ready. I was like, ready for what? Just in case something popped off. And I'm like, oh my God, here I am as a damsel in distress, putting gas all naked outside while my wife has to make the sacrifice of strategizing a plan to make sure that she can bring this family to safety just in case something popped off. I tell you, man, like I just, and I, you think I could go to the gas station by myself any longer? No, I have to go to the gas station and before I can pump gas, I got to make sure I canvas the place. Okay, it's safe to pump gas because nothing's about to pop off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So it just rubs off. You know, she's rubbed off on me. I rubbed off on her and, and, and our language begins to change. Like my wife, I, I, there's certain words, there's certain terminologies, Pastor Marquez, that I did not know. What like I didn't know. Like there was this, there's this terminology that you may not know. It's, it's, it's one that I learned in the early part of our marriage. Like she said, catch wreck one time. Like, I, are you familiar with this? Because I'm not familiar with this. I remember the first time. And you might think, what in the world? Let me educate you right now because it's rubbed off on me and I know exactly what I'm talking about. Catch wreck implies and it communicates. Not that you're catching anything. In fact, you are giving something when you're catching wreck. And so I've learned that when you say catch wreck, it implies that you are about to beat someone up to the point that their mama may not recognize them in a couple of short seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're about to catch wreck. Or how about this one? Like, I learned this one the hard way. It was like, chick. You know about this? You know about chick? I don't know about chick. I thought it was a baby chicken. Until I realized that every single one of my female co-workers were called chick. Why is that chick texting you? Who is that chick that I saw? Who is that? What happened to that chick? Like that, the word chick does not mean a baby chicken. It is absolutely used for any one of your female co-workers. If you're a, if you're a man, if, you got a, if you're an annoying girl, you're a chick. If you're annoying, you're a chick. And the only time that chick is used in a good way is when you use it for yourself. When you say, I ain't that type of chick. Just being honest, I'm just being honest. Oh, how about this one? I'll tell you, man. I'll tell you my marriage. Ten years. Play me close. You ever heard of that one? Play me close. You ain't playing jack when you're playing close. I thought, like, I, this was introduced, introduced to me in a Dunkin' Donuts. We were in a Dunkin' Donuts, and I thought I was just getting coffee like I thought I was getting gas. All right? And I was sitting there, and I was getting my coffee, and all of a sudden, Lisa's like, did you see that guy? There I go again, oblivious to what's going on. She's like, what, you see that guy? I was like, what guy? She's like, that guy, he's playing me close. I'm like, he's playing you what? He was playing me close. Close. He was all up in my grill, all up in my space. Like, yo, my man was playing me close. And I was just like, playing you close. She's like, yeah. I was like, yo, why are you playing me close for? 
And I thank God because now I've been educated in this type of language. It's rubbed off. The other day, I promise you, I use all phrases in one sentence. I said, baby, you better catch wreck on this chick because she's playing me close. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. I'm just letting you know. Play me. <laughs> play me close. I thought about this term, uh, play me close, because the term play me close is when you enter somebody's space and you enter someone's space uninvitedly. You enter their space and you enter their space in such a way that they can feel your presence without even looking at you. They just, you've, you've, you've involved yourself in their space in such a way that they can feel your presence. Play me close. And I thought about that because when I think about God, I think about someone who has truly come close and invaded our space. However, no matter how much God has invaded our space, no matter how much God has involved himself in humanity, no matter how much God has entered our personal room, sometimes it doesn't feel like he's close at all. It's like no matter how close God has taken initiative, no matter how close God has come into human contact, no matter how close he's come, there are so many times that we feel like God is not close at all. It just feels like God is at a distance. Like sometimes our feelings and our way of thinking makes us live in a reality that God is just far away. And like there's just, just, there's just, just, just a huge gap between me and God. Like God, God is not close at all. God is at a distance. And sometimes it's our own perception of what being close God to God looks like. It's our own perception that makes us feel like God is not close at all. Sometimes it's the way we perceive what being close to God looks like that makes us feel like we're not close. Like, have you ever seen someone that you've perceived as being close to God? This happens, I live with that. Because Lisa be like, I'm like, Lisa, Lisa cries like three tears in three minutes and she's in the presence of God. The other day, she's in the living room wailing, praising God. Lord, I love you. And I'm like, Lord, I want to feel you like that. It's like three minutes and three tears. I'm like three hours and three weeks of fasting, and I can't feel your presence like that. Like, like you, ever, you ever looked at somebody else's life and felt like they were closer to God than you? Right? Like, especially like growing up, we had a chain of prayer. Like, you hold people's hands. And you hold people's hands and you start praying. And like, like if the person that prayed before you just took it up or not, you're like, my God, I ain't going to be able to compete with that. Like you ever felt like that? Like, oh my goodness. Like, like I, I don't know the scriptures the way she does. I don't know all the books of the Bible the way like they're close to God, but I'm not close to God. I mean, I've been to Matrix three times and I still don't feel the presence of God the way Yvette does. You ever felt like you're far away from God? And sometimes, I want to speak to the people online, sometimes there are people who don't know God, who feel like that God is far away, people who have never come to church, people that won't step foot in the church. You know why? Because they genuinely don't believe that God is interested to get involved in their lives. They feel like God is just far away. God is at a distance. There is this chasm. There is this gap. There is this canyon between them and God, and there's no way that they can be brought close to God. And what happens is, Kuhau, is that we begin to live our lives just like that. 
like there's a huge gap between us and God and we become numb to the reality that God, in fact, is close to us because in our minds, there's a gap. In our minds, there's a chasm. In our minds, there's a distance. But I want to say this very clearly today, that my prayer today is that you will walk out this place with a renewed understanding that God is close to your life. That you will walk out this place with a restored understanding that God is near, that God is close, that God is not far away, that God is not a distance, that there isn't a chasm between you and God, but he's right by your side and his word says that he will never leave you, nor forsake you, nor abandon you. Does anybody believe that in this house? And so, the Apostle Paul writes these scriptures to the Ephesians, and he says this in, in verse 13. He says, but you, know, but you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ Jesus, and at one time you were far away from God, but now you have been brought close to Christ. This was done for you when he gave up the blood for you. Paul is speaking to Gentiles in this context, and what he is doing is that he's giving them a new identity because these were Gentiles by categorically have seen themselves as completely far from God. Let me explain what I mean. That they are seeped into a social structure that says that they are the personification of what being far from God looks like. If you were a Gentile, you were like, you were known from being far from God. And so he's speaking to the Gentiles. He's saying, hey, you're not far from God. I know you think you were far from God. I know you think that there was a distance between you and God. But you need to understand that the blood of Jesus changes all that. Because in that social structure, listen, in that social structure, what you would see is that the ones that were perceived as close to God were the priests. So they seeped into this social structure that became a mental construct. First is the priest, they're close to God. Then it's the Levites, they're close to God. Then is the common Jew, they're close to God depending if they follow the law or not. Then it's the outcasts, those who were sick, but they're not close to God because, you know, they're paying for their sins with the ailment that they are living with. So those are outcasts. Those are living on the fringe. Those are the people that they're not close to God at all. But on top of that, they're still closer than the sinners, than the tax collectors. The tax collectors ain't close to God at all, but still the tax collectors are closer to God than the Samaritans. But the Samaritans, they're not close to God at all, but they're still closer to God than the Gentiles. Do you see it now? The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, I know you, you're used to functioning in a way. This is what was happening in their day, that they were Gentiles. Listen to me very clearly. They were Gentiles who had been washed by the blood of Jesus. They were Gentiles who had accepted Jesus through grace and by faith, they, or by, by grace and through faith. They've accepted Jesus. They placed their faith in Jesus, but they were still functioning as they were serving a distant God. Why? Because they were Gentiles. I love what Jesus did. I love that Jesus loves me, but, you know, I'm still a Gentile. I'm in seventh place. There's still a gap between me and God. There's still some distance in the way I function. And, and I wonder how much of that we've applied in our own lives. Because let's be honest, right? Like they had a mental construct that says that there is a gap between them and God in this call being a Gentile. 
And for them, it was like, yeah, I want to be close to God, but I'm still a Gentile. I wonder how many times we put something in the way of getting close to God or perceiving that God is close to us. Because we might not be, we might not look at, at ourselves as Gentiles the way they did, but we have sure put things in the way of us in God. And we might not say, well, I'm a Gentile. How could I be close to God? But we can say something like, I still got a hundred miles of disappointment to walk before I can get close to God. I want to be close to God. I, how can I be close to God? I still, got, I still got 300 miles of unforgiveness to commute in order for me to be close to Jesus. Have you ever felt like your unforgiveness is keeping you away from growing in your relationship with God and it makes you feel like you can't even go to God because you got to get yourself together before you can even talk to God, before you can even worship? There's some people that have been serving God for years and they come into church sometimes still dealing with unforgiveness and feeling like they can't worship God because God doesn't want anything to do with them when you don't realize that in the middle of your unforgiveness, in the middle of your disappointment, in the middle of your unbelief, Jesus is close, not because of your predicament, but because of of his person I got 500 miles of addiction that I gotta keep pressing through how could I be close to Jesus I got resentment that I gotta deal with I have I have miles of resentment to to travel before I can be close to God I got miles of my situation you don't you don't know my situation right now how could God be close have you seen my situation have you seen my predicament have you seen what I'm going through when I'm going through it and we see and we perceive not that God in fact is far away it's in our way of thinking but I came to tell you that Jesus is closer than you think and this is what the Apostle Paul wants to communicate to the church in Ephesus he's saying listen I know you think that you're far away but Jesus is actually he's already closed the gap not because of anything you've done and not because of your identity because he has given you his blood and so when you when you when you receive Jesus you've been covered by the blood of Jesus and Paul is saying this listen God has brought you close so I want you to start seeing yourself as citizens and not Gentiles I want you to start seeing yourself as his children that are close and are wrapped by his arms not that he's stiff arming you but he's embracing you he says I know you're a Gentile and you might think you're far but he's brought you close I know you think you're addicted and you're far but he's brought you close I know you think you're because of your doubting you're far but he's brought you close I know you think that you're far because of your situation and because you seem like you're not growing and because you seem like you're stuck in the same place but I came to tell you that he's brought you closer than you think someone should give God some praise in this place what I want to do for the remainder of my 16 minutes is Come on, somebody. What I want to do in my remainder 16 minutes is I want to be able to communicate to you these specific areas that Jesus is closer to you than you think he is. In fact, I'll say it this way, that Jesus is, is actually closer to you in the moments where you might feel he's not close at all. And the first one is, I want you to write this down in your notes if you're writing this down. Jesus is closer than you think in the middle of your storm. Jesus is closer than you think in the middle of your storms. Have you ever realized that there is something about a storm that you go through 
that makes you and skew, that makes you see God differently or it skews the way you see God. There's something about going through a storm that just fogs up the way you see God. There's just something about a storm that distorts the way you see God. And it was no different in a literal storm that we find in Matthew chapter 14. The Bible says that Jesus tells his disciples to go across to the other side and they get on a boat and they set sail to the other side. But in the middle of the ocean, what happens is that, that a storm erupts and the Bible says that the storm was against them. Have you ever felt like you weren't just going through a storm, but the storm was going through you? Have you ever felt like, man, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to go through, but this thing feels like it's going through me. And the Bible says that the water is just beating on the, on the, on the boat and, and, and the water is getting in the boat. And sure enough, I love this because this is classic Jesus that in the middle of their storm, they would have never been able to make it to Jesus. They would have never been able to make it to the other side. They would have never been able to return and go back to shore where Jesus is. But the good news is that this is classic Jesus. He goes to where they are. And what Jesus does, the Bible says that he begins to walk towards the disciples in the middle of a storm. What does that say to us? That he initiates? That he's the one that engages? That he's the one that looks for them? That he's the one that reaches out to them? And when he, watch this, when they see him, their vision has already been impaired. Oh, be careful because it's in the middle of the storm where the devil will tempt you the most to start seeing God in a different light. And you don't realize that it's the storm that's distorting your perception. I want you, I, I saw this the other day and I say, wow, it's amazing that who they saw was Jesus, but the way they saw Jesus was distorted. The Bible says that Jesus came walking to them, but the Bible says because they were filled, they cried out in fear, it's a ghost. Did you catch that? They cried out in fear. And I, and I thought this, if fear can make you cry out, I wonder what faith can make you confess. Yeah, yeah. See, because when you feel like God is distant, you'll be crying out in fear all the time. When you feel like God is away, when you feel like God is not close, you'll be crying in fear all the time. And the Bible says that they saw Jesus, but they saw him as a ghost. Watch this, watch this. When you think God is far and your vision has been impaired to see him for who he is, the solution can be coming your way, but you see the solution as a bigger problem. Because they were in the middle of the storm and they saw a ghost and they're like, oh, now we're in trouble. This is a ghost. I, I'd rather stay in the boat. I'd rather stay in my storm than have to face a ghost, not realizing that what God has done, he has sent you a rescue. He has sent you the solution. He has sent you what the answer. He has sent you what you need. Jesus is closer than you think. And, and in another occasion when they're in the middle of a storm, the Bible says that Jesus is sleeping and he's in the cut. And if you don't know what in the cut is, I learned, it's another term that I learned from Lisa. She's giving classes at the end of the service and Jesus was in the cut sleeping and the Bible says that they wake him up and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, do you even care that we're about to die? See, that's the thing about the storm. It'll make you project on God that he is inconsiderate and he has no concern for your life. And what, what happens is like, hey, Jesus, do you even care? Like, God, do you? Like, sometimes it's almost like you feel like God is too busy. And you know, like, have you ever felt like that? Like, God, do you see what I'm going through right now? God, do you see right now 
what I'm dealing with? Do you see the financial situation? And do you see that I just lost my job? God, do you see that I'm in the middle of a pandemic? God, do you see that I, have, I can't even pay the rent? God, do you see that my marriage is about to be broken? Do you see my marriage is about to be destroyed? God, hello? Do you see what's going on? God, do you even care if I'm about to die? Do you even care that I can't pay my rent? Do you even care that my children are giving me trouble? Do you even care that I was abused when I was seven years old? Do you even care that I'm still addicted to porn? Do you even care that I'm not growing spiritually? Do you even care that I've been going to church and I still feel stuck? Do you even care? God, I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm in the middle of a storm, God. Do you even care? But the good, news, the good news about Jesus is, is that Jesus doesn't run away from your storm. Jesus is not intimidated by your storm. Jesus is continuously and perpetually going towards the chaos. I saw a documentary the other day, and it showed that in 9-11, there were the first responders who were rushing towards the towers while people were running for their lives. I love that because it's a picture of Jesus, that Jesus doesn't run from your trouble, but he runs towards your trouble. You got a mess, Jesus runs toward your mess. He doesn't run away from it. You got a situation, he runs to your situation. He runs to your addiction. He runs to your problem. That's Jesus. And I love it because he walks on the thing that's bringing them fear. Almost to say like, listen, I've conquered what you're dealing with. I've conquered what you're going through. I've conquered what you're battling. I've conquered. It's a storm that's shaking your boat, but I've turned it into solid ground that I can walk on. Is anybody in this place that can give God a five second praise and let him know that we feel his closeness in our house? Jesus is closer you think I need to be reminded of this you know because it is my own mind that becomes my worst enemy I'm telling you like I like some people blame the devil for everything I'll be like the devil don't got nothing on me what do I mean that I'm my worst critic it's like the devil condemns yes he does but sometimes we condemn ourselves the devil's like it wasn't me <laughs> Jesus is closer than you think in the middle of your storm. Number two, write this down. Jesus is closer than you think in the middle of your shame. He's closer than you think. Jesus is close, church. If you're watching in the line, I need you to hear this. Jesus is closer than you think. Church family, online family, I'm letting you know he's closer than you think. There was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Do you know that? In John chapter 8, it'll tell us there was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Like there's something about being caught red-handed that is like humiliating. And I know nobody here, everybody here is, you know what I mean, Holy Ghost filled, saved, sanctified, you know, baptized, all that good stuff. Ain't nobody got no scandals going on. But you know her scandal may have been public, but many times we have our own scandal going on in our hearts. And God forbid that somebody would catch us in the middle of the act and bring us and expose us to a public scrutiny. Can you imagine this woman? I wonder how close she felt to God when she just got caught in the act of adultery. Can you imagine that, that she was sleeping with someone that was not her husband, that someone that was someone else's husband, she's sleeping with 
this man. She's dragged out, possibly by the hair. She's rang all the way to the feet of Jesus, and she was brought to the temple. In other words, she just committed adulteries, and the Pharisee says, hey, let's bring her to church, because, you know, we're about to stone her in church. Can I tell you what I never want Kuhau to be? I never want Kuhau to be the kind of place that we got to be scared to bring people to church, because they're going to be stoned from the pulpit, because they're going to be stoned from the time they walk in their foyer. You know that there's holy signs here that we take off? You know why? Not because God isn't holy. He already knows that. He got thousands of angels that declare that he's holy, holy, holy. But what he wants from his church is more that we would declare to a world that he's love, he's love, he's love, he's love. I am willing to say that God wants to hear more from us to tell people that he is love than for us to tell him he is holy. Come on, somebody. Do you believe? I don't know. That might mess up your Pentecostal persuasion. But God is close in the middle of your shame. This woman that was caught in the act of adultery, no doubt, felt far away from God. She felt like she was so distant. And I love this. This, this, this really, this was amazing because she's brought to Jesus. And they say to her, watch this. They say, Jesus. This woman was cut in the very act of adultery. Moses says to stole her in the word. What do you say? And I love Jesus. Jesus is like, yeah, go ahead. Chuck a rock at her. But if you have no sin, that's the only thing that qualifies you to chuck a rock at her. He who is without sin cast the first stone. You know what Jesus just did? He equated her sin to any sin. So I, I just find it interesting that we begin to judge people who sin differently than us. What's happening? What's happening? Anyway, he says, yeah, you can, yeah, she deserves to be stoned, but only if you don't deserve to be stoned. And the only way you don't deserve to be stoned is if you've never sinned. He just equated her sin that was filled with shame. And here's the thing, here's why I want to talk to our church, because I think sometimes, I love, I'm appreciative that this example was one of sexual immorality because there is something about sexual sin that just brings so much condemnation and so much guilt and so much shame in the body of Christ. There's some people that are stuck in sexual addiction. You know why? Just so that they won't have to feel the shame of telling somebody else. I can't tell you how many men I speak to and and they are, they're addicted to porn and they have lust issues. And, 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 and at this point, I heard, a, I heard a, a preacher the other day said, hey, we don't even disqualify pastors from porn anymore. We just disqualify depending on how much porn they look at. There's something about sexual immorality that just brings upon shame and condemnation on people. And, 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 and this is what Jesus begins to sh uh, uh, shed light on because he, he, he didn't show light on her to expose it, but he, he showed light on her to transform her life. And he says, hey, listen, I need, you, I need you to answer me this question. Where are your accusers? Where are the people that are trying to stone you? And, and she's like, well, they're no longer here because they're not perfect. And Jesus says, well, neither do I condemn you. Can I tell you? 
you what Jesus says about your sexual sin. The Bible never says that this woman changed her ways. The Bible says that, it doesn't say, it just says that she received the word from Jesus. And the word from Jesus was go and sin no more. You know what empowers you to not sin no more? Not your power to overcome sin, but the word of the one that has overcome sin. And he says, now you can go and overcome sin. Why? Because you've met the love of your life. Because you've met the grace of God. Because you've encountered Jesus. And here, no matter how far she was, no matter how far she was, Jesus was close. Because the Bible says where sin abounds, mm, can I tell you what John chapter 1 calls Jesus? It calls him grace. Can I, can I read that this way? Where sin abounds, Jesus abounds all the more. Oh my God. Oh my God. What is he saying? What is he saying? He says, your sin can't compete with my grace. Your failure can't compete with my faith. Your shortcoming can't compete with who I am. Your, your disgusting acts that you've condemned yourself over and over and over and over again, they can't compete with my love. They can't compete with my compassion. They can't compete with my grace. This is where sin abound. Grace much more abound. Sometimes we see this as this a competition going on can I tell you grace versus sin is like me versus a tiny little ant there's no comparison grace abounds Jesus abounds all the more in the middle of that woman's sin Jesus came and engulfed her sin with his love and watch this the Bible says that at that very moment you don't know this about the the light of the world but that's in the moment that Jesus stands up he looks at everybody else and he says I am the light of the world oh yeah I didn't see that right yeah I thought that was two separate verses Jesus gets up and he says and then he spoke again he says I am the light of the world did you see it did you see the lights go on in the middle of her darkness? Did you see the lights go on? Can I tell you something about light? That light travels at 671 million miles per hour, 178,000 miles per second. And you think that there's an issue between you and God when it comes to distance? Come on, he is the light of the world. So if light can travel at that distance, I tell you my Abba Father can travel much quicker because he is is the light of the world if you believe that in this place give God a shout of praise in this house he is he's close in the middle of your shame I need you to I need you to catch that I need you to catch that in your heart that Jesus is close what would your life look like if you actually live from the place that he's close to your marriage what would you live if you, if you how would your parenting be when you Understand that Jesus is close to your children. Every night I pray for my kids and I say, I pray out loud over them. And Lord, help them always remember that you love them more than I do. Jesus is closer than you think in the middle of your shame. And as the worship team comes up, I want to give you the last point that Jesus is closer than your shortcomings. He's closer to you than you think. In the middle of your storm, there's something about a storm that just skews the way we see God. But there's also something about shame that makes us see God like he doesn't want anything to do with us. 
I can't tell you how many people, I got, a, I got a, literally, I got a text message the other day. And it was by a young girl saying that, that she was involved in sleeping with other men who, who had persuaded her to, that she would feel loved. And she says, and, I, and I, I love Jesus and I want to be close to Jesus, but I keep giving in to this temptation. I keep giving in to this sin. And I don't know if God wants anything to do with me anymore. Because it just seems like I don't have the kind of discipline that God needs to love me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the kind of relationship that we need to show some type of dedication and discipline before we could ever receive the love of God in a radical, unconditional way? I can tell you this, people, Christ uncensored. The reason why we preach the grace of God so radically it's because there's not enough of it going around. The majority of the world is religious. Can I tell you something? Matter of fact, the majority of the world is religious and a quarter of the world are Christians. And there's a small percentage of that that just rely on the grace of God solely. Ain't nobody here preaching you, oh, you, you could sin all you want. It doesn't, oh, you can do whatever you want. No, that's not what love does. But I just know the answer is not condemnation. I'm not trying to condemn you into a relationship with God. That's only for a short period. It'll last only, only up until you get self-discipline. And in that, that's called religion because some people are better at religion than others. I know I'm good at religion. I'm great at religion. Can you tell? I was self-righteous for so many years. I'm good at religion. I'm really good at it. As a matter of fact, when they told me to fast for 40 days, I was like, thank you, Lord. For you have chosen me as one of the few, Moses, Elijah, and Rolando, that you have chosen to fast for 40 days. I'm good at it. Matter of fact, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd, I'd be religious. Ruben asks me all the time, like, yo, if you wasn't a pastor and you didn't serve God and you didn't have a radical uh, relationship with Jesus, like Jesus didn't encounter your, I'd be like, I'd be religious somehow. And some people have that propensity to be religious. And there's some people that are better at it than others. But guess what? No matter how religious I was, I was still far from God if I didn't rely on his grace. That's what Jesus says. The only way you're far from God is when you think it's up to you. The only way you're far from God is when you think it's in your head. And this is why Jesus is closer than you think in the middle of your shortcomings. Because this is what we try to do. All right, I got to be close to God. I prayed today. I got to be close to God. I fasted today. I got to be close to God. You know what? I did my bad Bible lap and I'm on 23, 23 day streak. I missed the day. Ah, oh, man. Oh, I didn't pray today. Ah, oh, not close anymore. Someone called me. I flirted with them. Ah, oh, I'm so far from God. It's, it's all right. I, it's all right. Monday's coming. You know what Monday is. I'm getting back on the bandwagon, you know, so I'm going to go pray on Monday. And I start praying on Monday. Woo! I'm on a roll. Tuesday comes. What? I didn't even curse today. I'm so close to God. What? Somebody cut me off and I didn't give them the national sign language that they're number one? I am close to God. No, the Bible says that there was a prodigal son that was running back home. And watch this. I love that because he never made it home without the father bringing him there. Do 
you know why? Because the Bible says that while he was a far way off, his father ran to him. Wait. See, like you hear this and you're like, oh, that's a great story. I love that story. And by the way, I just wrote a chapter on this on my book, Get It, 2022. Come on, somebody. Watch this. You don't, you don't know this, but watch this. The father runs to him, and, and what the listeners are expecting to happen is that the father is waiting for him at the door. Okay, all right, you're back. Are you sorry enough? That's the picture that they're listening. Are you ready to work now? All right, you're going to have to work for three years, and after we work three years, then I'll consider you a son again. But no, the Bible says that while he was at a far distance, watch this, fathers and patriarchs didn't run during that time. But the scandal was on the son. But what the father did was put a greater scandal on himself by picking up his robe and running and exposing his feet. So the father says, hey, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna overlap your shortcomings and I'm not gonna just meet you halfway. I'm gonna run towards you and I'm gonna run towards you. And can I tell you that that's what our Jesus is about? He's the Jesus that, that is in the middle of your shortcomings and you might feel like you just try to make it to Jesus. Jesus is take a seat. I'm running towards you. Relax, I'm coming towards you. You can't make it to God's house without me. Let me bring you to him. Let me bring you to the house. Let me bring you part of the family. Where's my robe? Where's my ring? Where's my sandals? Give them to my son. Wait a minute. God rewards someone who is sinful? No. When God finds you, you are no longer sinful, but you are sonful. You're a son of God. You're adopted into his family. He is in the middle of your shortcomings. Watch, watch this. Watch this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Watch this. Watch this. Listen to this. Watch this. If you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Watch this. What is the message we, have, we are supposed to tell the world? You ready? Here it goes. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. All this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself and God has given us, someone shout us. He has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Watch this. For God was in Christ. Remember last week? How are you saved? How do you find God? God. You find God because of God. Watch this. For God was in Christ reconciling the world. This was, this was what, what God was doing in the person of Jesus Christ. He was reconciling the world to himself. Wait, the world? All 8 billion people that exist now and those to come and those that previously, previously existed. The, wait, God was in Christ, stepped into time, took on human flesh, lived 30 years without a peep, then begins to step out and is now crucified on the cross. One nail on the left hand, one nail on the right hand, one nail on the feet and a, cruce, a, 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 a crown of thorns on his head. He is being so badly that when he's carrying the cross, he collapses in his human nature and he needs help to be have it picked up. And what was he doing? He was getting crucified. No, he was reconciling. That's what he was doing. 
he was reconciling the world to himself but uh, the world seems so far from God no they are close to God they just don't know it yet that's why he says I've given you that message I'll prove it to you I'll prove it to you for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sin against them and he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation did you see it he's saying I've reconciled the world to me I brought the world close to me I'm not distant I'm not far I just need more people to hear about it so I've entrusted you with the message that God is not far away that God is not distant that you don't need to clean your life up to come to God that God is not counting your sin against you all you need to do is receive his free grace in your life that is what he's saying he's saying I've given you that message go tell the world that I love them go tell the world that they're not lost anymore go tell the world that they are my sons go tell the world that I'm not counting their sin go tell the world that I'm close we're done we're done we're done He says, go tell the world that I'm close. Man, we make this so much complicated. You can get up on your feet as I speak these words. You can get up on your feet, get up on your feet. Uh, we made this so much, com so complicated, so complicated. I had someone from a different religion show up at my house and they said, hey, I want to tell you about the kingdom of God. I said, sure, you can tell me about the kingdom of God. And they be began to speak and began to speak and began to speak and began to speak. And I let them talk and I said, can I be saved? Show me how I can be saved. And they said, okay, well, I don't know if you can be saved, but if you start coming to church, then, and you will go through Bible studies. And I'm like, well, what, what message did God give you to share with me? And they said, well, I came to talk to you about the kingdom. Well, I said, well, okay, I want to enter the kingdom. How do I enter the kingdom? Well, come first, first come to church. When you come to church, then we'll give Bible studies. And when we say, no, no, I, well, I'm dying tomorrow. I need you to save me today. And I said, why is it that you spoke for five minutes when I asked you to show me salvation and you did not mention Jesus once? We make this so complicated. It's so simple. Jesus is closer than you think. Closer than you think. So in order for me to embrace Jesus' closeness, I have to be reborn. That's it. How am I reborn? I accept his grace. This is it. This is the posture of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. So much more complicated. Well, did they, did they, are, they, are they tithing? Are they coming to church consecutively? Are they doing this? None of that brings about salvation. Those things are good and you should do them, but none of that makes God closer to you or less further from you. So what does Jesus do? You know why he talks through a burning bush? Because he wants to tell you that he's close. You know why he talks through a donkey? Because he wants to tell you he's close. You know why he showed up in some of your dreams this week? Because he wants to show you that he's close. You know why there were some people that text you without you even wanting them to text you? Because he wanted to show you that he's close. You know why you hear those whispers late at night? Because he wants to tell you that he's close. He wants to tell you. You know why he died upon the cross and breathed the last breath and said it is finished? Because he wanted to tell you that he's close come on if you feel the closeness of God in this place I dare you to give him a shout of praise I dare you to open up in a 20 second praise break and thank him for all his closeness
because he came near. Thank him because he's good. Come on, shout it out in his love. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.